Welcome to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So, Liz. Yes. You know, I pride myself on consistency, but apparently um, our new favorite way to open the show, uh, I, I overlooked the last episode or so to the disgruntlement of our listener. Well, we have to fix that. We're going to fix it right now, girl. <laughs> oh, snap. So Liz and I are proud members of the greatest generation ever, except for the greatest generation, but Gen X. <laughs> so we are going, so our new opening before we go to the dark side is always thinking back to the greatest decade, which was the 1980s and what, what happened in the 80s this week. So we have some. Some uh, two, I think, really iconic songs of the 80s debuted, well, not debuted, Let's Go Crazy off of uh, Prince's Let's Go Crazy. Yeah, Prince. Prince and the Revolution. That wasn't Purple Rain, right? No, I don't think so. Just Prince and the Revolution. So this was 1984, Let's Go Crazy by Prince hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100. Ooh, sizzling. And another favorite song, which is still a pretty good, uh, good workout song, um, Pump Up the Jam debuted yep. this week. That was 1987, right? I'm scrolling Pump through Pump up there. the jam. Pump it up. <laughs> Pump it up. That's, a, that. That, that's like a college. That brings me back to college, not really high school. Like, let's go crazy. Um, and I, I will say this for Liz. She, I was not a Depeche <laughs> Mode fan. But apparently she was, oh, 1989, Pump Up the Jam. Okay. Um, boy, that's a, that's, a, that's a bad move on my part. Uh, 35 years ago, Depeche Mode released their sixth studio album to continue tormenting the American people. And that was what? Music for the Masses. Okay. Sorry. Depeche Mode is a great band. So Whatever. If you like Depeche Mode, tweet at me how much you like Depeche Mode and how wrong Julie is on this. Because Depeche Mode is a great band. That's all. Whatever. And I, I okay, have Depeche seen Depeche Mode versus Def Leppard. Everyone needs to. We want to. Yeah. Every, we want our listener to weigh in. Who do you prefer and why? <laughs> That's right. I, want, I, be want, I want your reason why. <laughs> <laughs> and, and explain yourself. <laughs> so, Liz, the other thing with the 80s, remember, um, uh, our president was Ronald Reagan. Yeah. For, um, the entirety of the 1980s. Uh, and remember how much the media used to make fun of Ronald Reagan for his various gaffes and pretend that, you know, he really didn't know what was going on. He didn't have his right mind about him. Remember, remember how brutal they were? Yes. And they were obsessed with his age. Yes. They were always talking about, remember that debate with Mondale where Reagan famously said, when they when he was asked about the age issue, he said, "Well, I won't hold your youth and inexperience against you." To uh, <laughs> Mondale, great. which was well done, but the media was obsessed with making Reagan out to be just like a brain dead zombie idiot who had no Senile. idea what was going on, whose which wife is, had to tell him what to do all the time. Right, and she was crazy because she liked as- astrologers. Remember when they <laughs> talked about? Or she was contacting, like, having seances or just all this weird stuff. I mean, you know, if you step back you can, and look at history, you, you'll notice a pattern how Republicans not only can never win an election, honestly, right, if they win, there's cheating, but also they're inc- they're all crazy and insane. You know, they're all, cra- they're all cra- crazy. And, and stupid. stupid. That's right. So, which is funny because now... <laughs> We actually have a president or a person occupying the White House, 46, whoever, however you want to understand Joe Biden, um, who is almost certainly has some major memory issues. (laughs) And I'm trying to be nice about it. I mean, it's it's not funny. And I don't, you know, we shouldn't make fun of that, except that. You know, there's a lot at stake. (laughs) You know, this isn't like your crazy uncle who, you know, keeps having flashbacks to Woodstock or something. (laughs) This is totally different. So, Julie, tell us what happened yesterday um, that had everybody up in 
arms, the media spinning to defend it, to spin it away. And everyone on the right was like, come on, when are you guys going to admit what's going on? So give give our listeners the summary of Joe Biden's recent, I don't want to even call it, do you think it's a gaffe? Because I don't think it's a gaffe. I mean, I think he's del- del- delusional. Right. So, um, but of course the media is calling it a gaffe. Um, so Joe Biden uh, gave a, there was an event at the White House for the Hunger, Nutrition and Health. It was White House Conference on Hunger, Nutrition and Health, which um, Representative Jackie Walorski, a Republican congresswoman from Indiana, who tragically died uh, with two of her staffers in a car accident in Indiana in August. And apparently she was part of, she was very devoted to this program Etc. So there was an event at the White House and Biden um, and apparently Liz, they had played some sort of memorial tribute to her before this event oh, got underway. It just gets worse. It just keeps getting worse. Yes. Um, but Biden stood there and gave his, you know, prepared remarks that were in like, you know, 64 point font um, and said, Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was it, she was going to be here, he said, to the shock of everyone watching is one report. Um, so Joe Biden sees dead people. And even though he and Dr. Jill sent out condolences, public condolences after Representative Walorski was killed in this car accident, um, he somehow thought maybe she was going to appear for his event. Well, you know, I. I I don't really know what to say. I don't I don't know how you can get around the fact that that is extremely disturbing, yes. <laughs> you know, and really calls into question Biden's mental capacity. Um, but that didn't mean people didn't try to explain it away, <laughs> especially quite yeah. possibly the most inept uh, press secretary ever. Uh, what's her name? Jean-Pierre. Karine Jean-Pierre. Karine her her Jean-Pierre. real name is probably like, you know, Jane, you know, Joan Smith or something, but she had it, to come up with some cool name. Well, Karine Jean-Pierre, who is a black lesbian, and it's important that I mentioned that so you know how inclusive the Biden administration is to have yes. someone like that in a job. Um, she is awful. She's just awful. And we're no fans of Jen Psaki here, all right? But Jen Psaki was a good spinmeister. I mean, she was a liar, but they all are liars. But she was, she she was lie she was lying. But she that's her job. But right. this one is awful. I mean, she is awful. And so she was asked about this because you know it seemed important to ask about you know why the president was looking for someone who died. Um, almost two months ago and that he, mm-hmm. he, he, he knows, and he, we know he knows about it. And um, her Jean-Pierre's response was that she, that, that she was top of mind, like top that, of that, mind. Mm-hmm. that he had been, which presupposes a mind, but I digress um, that he, had j- Biden had just been thinking about her and that's why he was looking for her, even though she was dead and they had just like, literally at the same event done a memorial for for her so i don't know so the white house press briefing room for the first time in nearly two years sort of devolved into a little bit of a scrum yesterday i mean this is the typical climate that you know trump's press secretaries had to deal with every day reporters screaming over each other confronting whoever the press secretary was sarah sanders or kaylee mcenany whoever it was um but they really did not tolerate uh jean-pierre's answer now i will say in her defense that there was no good answer Right. The right. answer is because Joe Biden is senile, has dementia, doesn't know what's going on. That's why he was looking for a dead congresswoman. But you can't come out and say that. Right. No, she can't say he's lost his mind. And so we we have no idea what's going to come out of his mouth when he goes off the teleprompter. <laughs> You're right. I think that's fair of you to admit that it's still disturbing. And I think it's not 
just part of the political game that goes on between Democrats and Republicans and the media and Democrats and Republicans and cute Twitter quips at one another. The world is seeing this. You know, the world leaders are seeing this. <laughs> they I mean, it's embarrassing as a country um, that this is just we're pretending that this guy is literally making decisions and knows what's going on. And we don't really know who is actually making the decisions. Um, it's it's terrible. <clears throat> I think this is probably his worst gaffe, would you say? I, like, I don't call it a gaffe. I think a gaffe is when you sort of misspeak. I mean, he literally believed that that the dead congressman, congresswoman was like there or she hadn't died or he forgot she died. I don't know. It's terrible. Well, terrible even... Stuff. Even left-wing media types were pouncing, as they like to say about us, on <gasps> this. The Daily Beast media reporter Justin Barragona asked, you know how the press secretary could have avoided this shit show? She could have started the briefing by saying Biden misspoke and moved on. Instead, she's trying to dodge these questions while defending Biden and not conceding anything. Um, Politico, Biden's press team repeatedly made commitments on their own and from the earliest days of office that they would always tell it like it is and not obfuscate or gaslight on issues, large or small. Now, imagine being so stupid that you actually believe that, but okay, let's run with it. But they gave, they confronted her with about 10 questions yesterday and it just got worse and worse. And then oddly, she became the victim, right? Not the dead congresswoman and her family who are sitting there horrified watching this idiot try to look for her. Um, she was the victim. You know, why are you why do you keep asking this question? I've already answered it, she said many times. Um, but is this the worst gaffe? I don't know. I think just the worst gaffe is his whole existence. <laughs> <laughs> was, that was inauguration day. No, um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and now I, she has no press briefing. So we're recording this Thursday. Uh, Karine Jean-Pierre apparently has better things to do today than give a uh, White House uh, press briefing. So she's maybe she's going out of town again with the president. I don't know. He is leaving, I think. Yeah, he's, he is. But he's going he's not going really far away. He's got he's not he's leaving the White House, but he's not leaving town. Oh, he's go yeah. he's doing some stuff around D.C. for the Democrats. Like he's doing official Democrat uh, garbage. Uh, let me look it up. Oh, he's um, hosting the Pacific Island Country Summit to demonstrate oh, the U.S.'s right. deep and enduring partnership with the Pacific Island countries. Then at 640, the all important photo op will be at the White House um, well, where he welcomes Pacific Island leaders. And then he will host a dinner at 645 for the Pacific Island leaders. So. As you can see, he's a real trying day for yes, him. Yes, another one, another another trying day. So, um, <clears throat> speaking of trying days, um, let's pivot to a real leader who obviously does not have dementia and actually knows what's going on, and that is Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Um, as that state just is being in, enduring this catastrophic hurricane that's wiped out parts of southwestern Florida, um, all the way from uh, Fort Myers down through uh, Benita to Naples. Um, and of course, Liz, as you know, we have a, home, a, a place there. I've been going to southwestern Florida for 40 some odd years. It's just heart wrenching, sickening to see what's happening to that beautiful part of the country. Um, and of course, now we're just now getting some of the uh, the photos and, and videos of of that catastrophe where it will take years to rebuild uh, these parts uh, of Florida. Um, and it's just very sad to watch. It's it's a terrible. The video, <clears throat> which most of it did start to come out this morning, just because I think that the hurricane, it kept hitting like kind of in the evening and overnight. But waking up, for people waking up and <clears throat> surveying the damage. I saw a video, <clears throat> excuse me, of someone and there is no water in Tampa Bay. Right. Like, there's no water. It looks like the end days. It's like Armageddon stuff, right? There's just no water in the Bay. Very, very strange. Um, And 
I will say that Florida is lucky. I believe that Florida is lucky because Ron DeSantis is their governor right now. Yeah. Um, he, I noticed yesterday, he was doing a very good job of regularly updating uh, people what was going on, what, what, where they could go to get resources to leave or help them leave. Um, you know, there was a lot of evacuation, mandatory evacuations. And, you know, you can't really make people leave their homes, even if the government right. comes out and says, you know, if you're trapped, we can't get you because it's there's a very dangerous situation afterwards. I mean, power lines are down. People get electrocuted. There's God knows what kind of animals like sea animals are living in the waters like snakes. Oh, God. Right. I know. It's terrible. Well, we saw photo. We saw sharks, right? Like sharks on the highway. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's yeah, dangerous crazy. that, you know, these first responders, you know, we don't we don't we should not expect them to also put their lives at risk in very dangerous, you know, in 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 da- really dangerous situations because you did not want to evacuate. Well, um, here's the thing I will say. Um, they they really missed the mark as to where this was going to land. I mean, we were told, everyone was told this was headed towards Tampa. And then it was moving just a little bit south and it was going to hit Sarasota. Well, it didn't. I mean, it hit really Fort Myers kind of straight on. So, I mean, that's, you know, it's, um, what's the distance between Sarasota and Fort in Fort Myers, maybe a hundred miles or so. So, and again, you know, and, and someone pointed this out a lot of times, and this happened a few years ago with another hurricane, you know, they overblow what's going to happen. And the, I think, unfortunately, this time as one friend texted me this time, it's actually worse than what they said. So it hit a different, it, it made land at a different spot than they thought. And, you know, some people, especially if you've lived there a long time, are like, oh, yeah, we've seen this before. We're not going to leave. Um, I do think they did have a lot of evacuations. But I think, you know, people like the Naples evacuation didn't really happen till later on Tuesday. My daughter was in Naples in uh, Tuesday morning. I was like, OK, I think you better get out of there. But all weekend, everyone was sort of being told it was Tampa. Um, so. I mean, that's the, that's nature. I mean, really, how that's could right. you I mean, it's it's there's two things going on, which is one, there really ultimately is no way to 100 percent predict the path of a major hurricane like that. But also um, there people have a big distrust now in authority because they are always over dramatizing this uh alerts like this and they've lost so much credibility at least in the last two years at you know federal agencies certainly um that people just don't trust what they say and so those two things coupled together really is it makes for a a terrible situation on the ground plus a lot of people need that time to make arrangements to leave when you're leaving your home if you like you had mentioned that people thought it was not going to hit naples the way it did but once you figure that out, you don't have a lot of time. And what what do you do? I mean, you have to go go where? Like, where do you go? You have to make plans to go somewhere else. And God forbid you have animals. I saw some videos of people preparing their horses and their their like livestock. Um, you know, one woman was like putting information, her information, and braiding it into like a piece of paper, braiding it into the horse's mane. So that if the horse, oh, she, oh yeah. that's so sad. Yeah. Now I don't know what we don't we don't know if anything happened to those animals. And she was saying that re- literally the best thing they could do is just leave them out. I mean, we, it, because if you put them in yeah. a barn and there's a tornado, it's a, you're gonna the barn's gonna go flying. So the best thing to do is just leave them out. And you know, animals kind of have a sense about about natural disasters. I know this sounds crazy, but when I lived in California, my cats kind of like knew there was an earthquake coming. I can't explain it. It's weird unless you live in California where there's earthquakes and you will notice the animals can kind of tell. I don't know how or why. And I'm generally not prone to crazy shit like this. And I don't wear crystals. And, you know, I'm I'm not into that. Okay, but... Nancy Reagan. Okay. <laughs> so... So I, I I don't know, but I mean it's it it's a terrible situation. Again, when you have what five hours, six hours, what do you do? 
you know, what do you, what do you do? How do you get away? You just leave your house, which you obviously can't pack it up in that time. You have to pick what you're going to take and with the understanding that you're never going to see the rest of, you know, you might not, but never see the rest of it again. Um, And the houses are damaged. And then, you know, not all damage can be fixed. You get enough water damage and it's just better to just trash the house. I mean, you can't live in it. No. That kind of mold and water and whatever else. Oh, it's terrible. But it, I, I, I saw a press conference. I don't know if you watched it this morning. There was um, a press conference with Ron, St. Ron of DeSantis. And, <laughs> you know, he was, you know, he was great. He was kind of going through everything, talking about the resources. He mentioned that they already have a fund set up that it hasn't even been set up that long. And they already have $2 million for people to donate money to help, you know, for all of the demonization against Americans, your regular, you know, just Americans, we are the most generous people on this fucking planet. And, you know, he's already got $2 million. Do you remember, I think it was Katrina where they raised $15 million in like a week. Right. Immediately for people to help help. So, he mentioned that there was this fund. He also talked about, you know, he's going down to Southwest Florida now to take a look at what's going on. And, you know, he's been giving instructions about telling people, don't, don't go outside. Don't go back, necessarily go back to your home because it's dangerous for you to do so. And, and I think, uh, I can't remember who made this point. I need to watch this on Fox. So one of the Fox lollipops mentioned that, you know, <laughs> sometimes more people die after the, yes. these events because they are brave or they're doing something stupid or they're they're not smart. So that you go um, in the water thinking that it's safe and you're walking around and suddenly you're attacked by an, an alligator. Oh, and yeah, I mean, there's plenty of those in Florida, but also pe- people get electrocuted. You know, just there's all yes. these electrical fires. I was watching these electric the the power lines just go up in flames when these when the winds were coming in. Oh, I don't know. Um, but I think it's going to take a long time to get things back. But I will say, as I said earlier, you probably couldn't have a better person running your state to have something like this happen. Um, yes, but he's- the. My next question is, how are the Democrats going to exploit this and blame it on Ron DeSantis? Because, you know, that's going to happen. Well, obviously, Liz, this is caused by climate change. So, I mean, no, totally. totally If everyone just drove an electric car, none of this would have happened. I mean, let's let's just be honest. Can you imagine everybody in Florida trying to charge your electric vehicle at the same time to get away from the hurricane? Well, they showed all the charging stations underwater. And I heard from friends (laughs) who have, who have, um, uh, um, oh God, I'm totally seeing blanking out because I've had like no sleep because I've been so worried about this Florida thing. Uh, what's the electric car, Liz? Oh, the Tesla. (laughs) The Tesla that they uh, there's nowhere to go. They can't drive them because they're they need they can't get to the charging stations and the charging stations, even if you do are underwater. So anyway, um, so it'll be climate denier if he hadn't spent all that money flying the 50 migrants to Martha's Vineyard, there would be enough money to rebuild Florida. Um, something Julie, he about saved their lives. Julie, he saved those migrants lives by getting them out of Florida before the hurricane. hit. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that something about out of control um, property insurance, which, um, OK, the housing market in Florida is insane. Like people are getting three times what they paid for their homes or condos, you know, even a few years ago. So, of course, with it goes higher um property insurance. So I don't know, that's like what the never Trumpers are trying to blame him on. So this is what they are already targeting him about. But I think he's been very steady. His wife, Casey, actually gave a little speech this morning during the briefing. I I don't know if you saw that. She was very impressive. Um, So this is, uh, you know, it's it's horrific. It is a tragedy. But this is when you know, your test of political leadership. This is a test of political leadership. Now, in the early days, it's it's not that hard to look like a hero. But to your point, it is going to be the days and weeks ahead. And, you know, the media is going to be 
absolutely cherry picking. I mean, they're going to be up his, you know what, trying to find anything that he's done wrong that he said was happening that wasn't. I mean, we've seen this play out over and over. Yeah. Um, they are going to be watching all of the the details about the rebuilding. You know, how fast are people reimbursed for their their property losses? You know, what's going on to reconstruct the infrastructure, the roads, the bridges, um, how long it takes for people to get power, um, are hospitals up and running? You know, but people don't always re- realize there are hospitals, there are, you know, I don't, I'm trying to think of the nursing homes, um, you know, there's animal shelters, there's like a lot of places that have helpless people or animals in it and you know they're destroyed what's going to happen every little thing is going to be like a five alarm fire for DeSantis and um at first it was reported that Biden had reached out to mayors of towns that were Democrats but like not Ron DeSantis (laughs) and then I guess eventually (laughs) no seriously but then eventually he did and DeSantis had made a a very smart move, I think, by saying, you know, when he was asked about it, he said, you know, he wasn't, this wasn't really a time to be partisan, you know, that he, we're just, you know, trying to do what's best for the people of Florida. Now, whether Biden um, will grant him the states of emergencies and the federal helped to rebuild, which is what DeSantis asked for, yes, for 60 days um, for the feds to take some of the the cost of some of this rebuilding, um, so we'll see w- how cooperative they are, how much red tape they throw in his way, how cooperative FEMA is. I don't know. But everything is so political now that there's almost, I mean, how can you not be concerned that they're going to try and fuck him? It, you know, or f- I'm sorry, fuck the people of Florida to get to DeSantis, you know, to make political points. I mean, I think that that's a reasonable assumption. Oh, yeah, there, it definitely is. Um, so it, uh, yeah. And of course, he's up for re-election right now, allegedly in a tight race with Charlie Crist. I mean, no, come on. that's not, not, tight. not at not all. Tight. Right. No. So, um, yeah. Uh, so, in a, you know, there are rumblings that he is going to run for president in a primary, even if Donald Trump, which Donald Trump is going to run, um, run against him. So, you know, this is why he's going to be under very close scrutiny, but I think he's very politically shrewd. He's aware of it. Um, and his team is aware of it. And, you know, but look, the, the bottom line is these communities have been completely devastated. This is such a happy, free, beautiful, uh, community area. Um, you know, got a lot of Trump supporters down there. It was such a great escape from COVID lockdowns. You have people fleeing to that area to to move there permanently. People from the Midwest and kind of Rust Belt area. That's mostly where uh, the transplants are coming from in Southwest Florida. So it's just, uh, you know, we pray for those people. Doesn't look like there's going to be a lot of loss of life. I hope that that holds up. Um, but look, property damage matters. You know, everyone's like, well, as long as you're safe, who cares if your home's destroyed or your boat's no, destroyed? No, it matters. Or your restaurant. I mean, that's just, a, it's a foolish thing to say because, you know, homes matter, businesses matter, um, neighborhoods matter. And, you know, this is what's what's underwater you right know, business now. Business matters, it, right? If you have a small business yeah. in the area and the neighborhood's wiped out and your business, I mean, you have no business anymore. You know, people can't go back to their homes and you can't go back to being a community. Think of all the businesses that are, you know, that were affected by this, too. And then you're talking about jobs. I mean, it's it's like a domino effect. So it's it is. I mean, yes, we want people to be safe, but it is, you know, a tremendous uh, like change in 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 life. And I I'm I'm don't pray that much, but I am I'm praying for the people of Florida because this is just. Absolutely devastating. Um, and now it's on the East Coast and it, you know, it's it's going to do some damage over there, too, especially if it picks up. You know, I think it's like in the Daytona-ish area, Jacksonville, south to Daytona, um, but it could do some significant damage over there, too. So yeah, it's, it's, it's coming on up the Atlantic. That's what. But I don't think I don't think it's going to make it here to D.C., 
which is where it should. Oh, strike. really? And originally, well, that's disappointing. I, I know. I was like, it should have Thanks, literally Liz. like started here, but um, just I think, think if it went have... north and you escaped, and then it just took out DC. If you could just like, if we could get it to just hit the DC zip codes, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I know. No, that, we're, now we're gonna get we're gonna get raided terrible. by the we're FBI. We're joking. We're, yeah, we're we're kidding. Um, but speaking so of keep, the FBI. Yeah. <laughs> Moving along to a, a smooth transition. Um, so today. We have a great piece from our friend of Happy Hour with Julian Liz, Miranda Devine, at the New York Post, has a great article that talks more about this ex-FBI whistleblower and how there's 30 ex-FBI agents who are supporting the things that he said um, in his whistleblower complaint. And... I believe he is being um, there are retaliating against him, Mm -hmm. even friend, which it's illegal. It is illegal when you have official whistleblower status to be retaliated against in the government and actually in business. If you work for a business and you're you whistleblow and they're breaking the law, they can't retaliate against you. So but that doesn't matter anymore. So, um, Julie, you want to talk about some of Miranda's new information in her piece yes so this goes back and she is just doing tremendous work um in getting access to these fbi whistleblowers so uh her first article and i really er urged people to pull this up at the new york post um last week she uh posted a report uh, about a whistleblower fbi special agent steven friend who is working out of a florida fbi field office He is a 12-year veteran of the FBI and a SWAT team member. He was suspended and escorted out of the FBI field office in Daytona Beach, Florida, after complaining to his supervisors about what he says are uh, violations of FBI policy related to overzealous SWAT team raids of January 6th protesters. Now, of course, Liz, you know, we've been talking about this since the spring of 2021, I've been reporting it at, at, uh, at American Greatness. I mean, these what this FBI is doing to nonviolent or people charged with misdemeanors like parading or, you know, trespassing, it, it has been going on now for about 20 months. So finally, Stephen Friend was like, no, I'm not doing this. Um, he was asked to do another SWAT team raid on August 24th in Jacksonville. And he said, I have a moral objection and want to be considered a conscientious objector. So I know we covered this in our last podcast, but um, that's sort of where it started. So this sense has morphed into, um, which is what we need, which is more whistleblowers coming forward or at least commending what Stephen Friend is doing is, you know, no, we're, this is not what we signed up to do. This violates DOJ and FBI excessive force policies. Um, It's not, so she's got a new article up today and there are 30 ex-FBI agents who are supporting what Stephen Friend is doing. And she has collected all of these messages. Um, I could just read a few, but again, point people to her work because you know, clicks matter and you want to read it for yourself because there's a lot here. Uh, Terry Turchie, who is the former deputy assistant director of the FBI's counterterrorism division. Now, this is the division that is conducting the raids. This is all being done by the Joint Terrorism Task Force. Think about that, Liz. Even people charged with misdemeanors, it all goes through JTTF, through the FBI, which is insane. These are terrorists. There's no raids. Well, they are they are terrorists, right? I mean, they're Al Qaeda. That's why. Um, so Terry Turchie describes Friend as a model example of what FBI agents nationwide should be: uh, moral courage, leadership in the face of pressure. I'm beyond proud to offer his support. Turchie, who led the Unabomber Task Force, says he didn't even use a SWAT team in 1996 to arrest uh, Ted Kaczynski, a violent domestic terrorist who had killed three people and injured. 23 others see that really puts it in perspective like it does that really puts it I think that was the thing that jumped out at me the most in her piece they did not even use a SWAT team to get the Unabomber but they were using SWAT teams to get people who are elderly nonviolent 
they have no hit, no criminal history. I mean, it, it's just, it, it's just incredible. It's just incredible. And Liz, I will tell you, I have seen videos of some of these FBI raids in cover of darkness. You know, they do it in the wintertime. So, and I think FBI raids, it's something like a 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. policy, maybe 7 a.m. Uh, well, in parts of the country, it's 7 a.m. It's still dark if it's wintertime. And you just see a line of vehicles in the dark. You just see this huge line um, of SWAT team vehicles using battering rams, these huge using bullhorns, you know, whoever the defendant is, get outside right now. This is the FBI, uh, armed agents busting down the front door, uh, entering homes, you know, terrifying the defendants, their spouses, their children. I mean, we could talk about Mark Houck again. I think we talked about him last week too, but, um, you know, this is what this FBI is doing. And so, it's not salvageable, but it is helpful to have current and former FBI uh, top officials come out and say, no, this is not what we're supposed to be doing. Um, another retired special agent who also was on the SWAT team said uh, that I was involved in numerous arrests where we never used any SWAT teams. This is usually reserved for the most violent criminals, repeat offenders that actually um, pose some sort of threat to local law enforcement if they were the ones who were going to produce the arrest warrant. Um, when I see the FBI using extreme SWAT tactics on elderly and other citizens who pose no physical threat, it makes me sick. It is purely political. Yeah, it's important. I know I mentioned this last week, but I just have to mention it again. You know, conducting a SWAT raid is very dangerous for everyone involved, including the SWAT team members right it's because they don't they don't know what they're amped up because they're doing a SWAT raid and they don't know what they're going to be confronted with and then you have somebody who has no idea this is coming and and probably has no reason to think that they would have a SWAT team come to arrest them you know so they are going to think that this is um, a robber or a malefactor or somebody coming to you know to do something bad to them so if they have firearms, you know, they're ready to go. I mean, it's, this is like a tinderbox. And that's why SWAT raids should really be, be very rarely used. Um, and I think that a lot of these people, especially the the, the J6ers, but also um, this uh, pro-life Catholic um, activist who was just SWAT, had 30 SWAT agents come to arrest him, they would have just turned themselves in. Like if you said, hey, yeah. we're, we, we have a warrant for you. You need to come to the police. Can, you know, can we make a, a time for you to show up and turn yourself in? I bet they would do that. You know, yeah. these are people with families. They, they, they're not going to like go on the lam or something. Well, so, a lot of these J6ers had already been cooperating with the FBI. Some had turned themselves in as soon as they either saw themselves appear on a wanted poster or they just realized that they were at the Capitol, they were going to be in trouble. So a lot of people turned themselves in. They were cooperating with the FBI. They had turned over materials. They were talking to them. In a lot of cases without lawyers because these are people who, you know, learned the hard way not to trust the FBI. Nonetheless, these stormtroopers, you know, bust down their front door, terrorize them in the entire neighborhood to send a message, right? This is the Democratic Party's Gestapo. This is what they're doing. Um, and this is what Turchi said in the Miranda Devine piece. The FBI has collapsed into nothing more than a police agency for the Democratic Party. Many of us felt that over the decades, the Bureau, the um, that the complete compromise of the Bureau, and he actually goes back to Robert Mueller's time as uh, FBI director, which, of course, he was from 2001 to uh, 2013 when Jim Comey took over, which was not an improvement. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I'll say. Um, By the way, I'm watching. My husband is forcing me to watch the Comey rule. Oh, it God. Is, yeah. Yeah. So we're four episodes in and. um we're still not even at the FISA warrant stage where Sally Yates, who is played by Holly Hunter, she actually does a really good uh, impersonation of 
the contemptible Sally Yates. But as many times as Sally Yates and Jim Comey are in an office together and speaking, they never get to the two the point where the two of them sign the illegal FISA warrants against Carter Page. Maybe yeah. the director didn't know about it. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Maybe that's uh, that scene is on the cutting room floor, you know, <laughs> where they're just like, oh, we don't need this in here. But probably not likely that they even filmed it. Um, yes. Um, so back that's to the amazing. FBI. That, why oh, is ahead. he making you watch it? Like, that's terrible. I don't know. Is he and enjoying he, he it? Watched first, he watched the first episode. I wasn't home one night and he watched it. And he's like, um, oh, this, you know, I just wanted to see it. He's like, but babe, I could, I, I know everything because of what you told me. So then I started watching it with him and I'm like, no, you don't, because they're literally leaving like half the story out. <laughs> you keep pausing it and go, uh, 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 uh. So then he happens. made the mistake of watching it with me a few episodes. And of course I'm like, oh yeah, why don't you just forget about the, fi- oh, why don't you just forget about the leak to the Washington Post to David Ignatius about the conversation with kids like <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And he's like, okay, this is not fun. And I'm like, well. <laughs> this was your idea, buddy. Sorry. <laughs> Godspeed. Um, but it does look like, Liz, to the extent that this matters, that this full-blown FBI corruption and these brave whistleblowers are getting the attention of Republicans in Washington. Uh, whistleblowers have been going to Jim Jordan, the minority leader on House Judiciary, and now um, uh Chuck Grassley and Ron Johnson have sent a, well, several Republican senators. Uh, oh, even Ben Sass. Oh, he appeared. Where where have you been, Ben Sass? Um, sent a letter to Merrick Garland Attorney General and FBI Director Chris Wray demanding answers about the raid on Mark Haupt, the pro-life uh, activist who was um, charged with violating access to reproductive health facilities and yeah. uh, confronting mm-hmm. and pushing some guy who was uh, berating his 12-year-old son. So they yeah. are asking mm-hmm. questions that will undoubtedly go unanswered. Yeah. Um, let's uh, Assuming that the Republicans take the House in after the 2022 midterms, you know, it's not going to be enough to just hold hearings Um and I assume that that's probably what they think they're going to be able to do to kind of like get them off the hook, right, for dealing with this, that they'll be able to say, well, we, you know, we, we're holding hearings. That's what we're doing. No, no. What they need to do is cut the budget. They need to say we're not signing, just refuse to sign the budget and refuse to sign any budget, CR, um, omnibus that has money for this these things to go on. And if you shut down the government, well, then you shut down the government. Um, because there's Can really you explain how this works, Liz, because you really have knowledge about how the, you know, the ins and outs of how DC, how the hill works. <laughs> I mean, what are the, what options do they really have in terms of the power of the purse? No, that's, that's, that's their, that's their power. <clears throat> that's their power. That's the oversight is that they are supposed to, they control the budgets of these agencies and that leads to the accountability. That's why the executive branch has to come in to these congressional hearings and account for themselves. That's the way the system works. So if you, if there's hearings, right. And that's a favorite thing of Republicans. Oh, we're going to have some hearings and then they'll what refer it to the DOJ for prosecution when there's not cooperation or their lies or perjury. Uh, no, we, it, you, you can't do that. I mean, the, the, it's like a snake eating itself. So the really only thing, the only power they have is to say, um, we don't, you know, we don't like the way this is going. We don't like the way you're conducting yourself. We think you're out of control. So we're cutting your budget until you reorient yourself in a different way or just burn it down, which is, an, you know, that's also an option. Um, <clears throat> so that that's 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 the only answer. So if you are on Twitter and you see these GOP light lightweights talking about hearings, we're going to have we're going to be asking questions and we're going to subpoena people. It means nothing. OK, it means nothing. They can't pass a law because there's still going to be a Democrat president. So 
they can't do legislation and their hearings are going to be useless because there's no consequences for lying, ignoring subpoenas, covering up, destroying evidence. There's no consequences. All the Congress can do is refer these these incidents to the DOJ, which is itself part of the problem. So the only thing that can be done if these people are serious is has to do with the budget and the funding. And that's it. Don't believe anything else these people say when they're on Fox News and they're pointing their finger and we're going to get to the bottom of this. No, you're not. You're not going to get to the bottom of this unless you cut the funding off. That's it. That's it. Very simple. Well, it has to be done, right? I mean, well, the FBI is not salvageable. We see this. I mean, it's infected every field office and these whistleblowers are coming forward. They're not coming just from the Washington field office, which we know is totally compromised. I mean, they are coming... These uh, raids have been conducted, and Chris Ray has bragged about it. These raids have involved all 56 FBI field offices across the country. He's bragging about this. So there's no way that you could just, like, do, you know, kind of cauterize different parts of it. It's simply not salvageable. Um, And, you know, hopefully when we get some new blood in the Senate, you know, if we get people like Blake Masters and um, who else, Liz, Paul Laxalt, uh, J.D. Vance, hopefully, if he doesn't get wobbly. Um, Blake Masters, allegedly. Yeah, Blake Masters. You know, I think he's I think he's solid. I think he's. Yeah. He's I, a- you know, it, it really depends on how ambitious these people are. Like, do they want to be a senator so they can be more powerful and ultimately get in a leadership position in the Senate? Because if they do, then it's over. Then that you shouldn't elect these people into office because they're not there to represent the people, their their state. They're not there to represent their state. And, um, you know, the Senate already is a lot more milk toast than the house. Um, since the house is more geographically based that, you know, they, they have, there are elected officials that are, can be more, uh, let's say serious, um, about their jobs representing the people, but these senators, you know, these are statewide elections, and they're very, they're very, um, they're Ben Sass, you know, right? Like that's your GOP yes. senator Romney, they're Sass, they're Lindsey Graham, who you know gets really pissed off on Fox News and doesn't, at the end of the day, doesn't do anything, you know. So well, I don't we'll know. See I, what happens. We'll yeah, see what t- happens. stay tuned. Stay yeah. tuned. What did we miss? Did we miss anything else major? Well, we since we mentioned the basically the the Voldemort name in the Senate, um, our good friend Molly <laughs> oh, Hemingway has a great piece over at the Federalist about how the GOP senators are baffled by Mitt Romney's effort to get to to defeat Mike Lee as a senator in the senior senator from Utah. Um and, you know, this wouldn't just be screwing over the Utah, the people of Utah and remove a seat from from the Republicans. It could cost the Republicans the majority in the Senate. Now, so there's several GOP senators who, you know, spoke off the record to Molly about how they, they don't understand why he's trying to basically screw the whole party over. Right. It's not just Mike Lee, who is in a lot of ways a, <clears throat> a pretty good senator relative to a lot of the other jokers in there. But <clears throat> what's happening is that Evan McMullen, also known as Egg McMuffin, is <laughs> running as an independent, and he's trying to defeat Romney by getting the Democrat votes. Now, it's a Democrat, statewide Democrat candidate is unlikely, uh, you know, as a senator. But um, right. McMuffin thinks that he can, you know, get independent and Democrat votes to, you know, oust Mike Lee. And in this piece, Molly questioned some recent polls showing that McMuffin is only two points behind Lee. Um, But I will say that I have am aware of other polling, internal polling that shows there is a very healthy uh, chasm between Mike Lee and McMuffin. So and it's not two points. It's double digits. (laughs) So um, that's obviously propaganda. But. You know, that should kind of give you a sense of the kind of person Mitt Romney is, that he would rather rather try and take a position 
about how high on his horse he is and how how better and pure he is by trying to get rid of Mike Lee, who I got to say for Senator Mike Lee is a pretty good Senator. Um, you know, he's very constitutional. He's very like a strict constitutionalist. He's kind of one of the few senators that's kind of put himself out there on some issues that other senators are afraid to, to speak about. So, but there's Mitt Romney, the guy who put a dog on top of his car, um, (laughs) you know, and the guy who cheated on his taxes, all the things that they never said, filed his taxes. binders, binders full of women, full of everything women. they said. Yep. Now Don't he's the toast, toast of the town. You know, it's it, I always I never was a huge Romney fan when he was running for president. But I and I always resented the fact that the left attacks on on him were so insane that I felt I had to defend him against the left insane attacks right but i'm smarter now and i don't do that you know if the democrats are going to come after a spineless republican i'm not going to defend them like i don't care if it's out of line or not no you should we should only defend people worth defending but romney was a good example of all the crazy shit that they did to him harry reed lied about romney never paying his taxes um but you know, look at what Romney's doing. Like, why would he deny a Republican who's pretty popular in the state? I mean, there's no Democrat is going to defeat Mike Lee and and lose the seat for the for the GOP. I mean, he's just such a piece of trash. Has there really. ever been a more pathetic, sore loser in politics no. than Mitt Romney? Do you remember um, back in 2016 when Trump was looking for um cabinet officials and he like oh my god I was just gonna bring that up (laughs) remember how awesome it was when they like had dinner and you know you could tell Romney was really wanted that so bad to be like secretary of state or something which I think was what he was trying to get and you know Trump was just not gonna let him have shit that was good times (laughs) (laughs) It, it was great and that whole photo with him like they were at the Palm or something like yeah in, at this table and it was Romney and Trump and Romney had like <laughs> this little slobber down his mouth because you could tell he just could taste that he was going to get something. He was going to be a big fancy title, probably only to turn on Trump like all the other people Trump did put into cabinet positions. But, oh, my God, it was so awesome that he did that and he made Romney like twerk and do all the stuff and kind of like dance around to get like a dollar in his g-string from trump and then trump was like no you get nothing <laughs> and you'll like it uh, <sighs> good times good times well, well on that note i know time flies when it you're does fun, fun with happy hour with julian liz so thank you for joining us for an hour we will julia we're going to be here next week don't forget our poll Depeche Mode or Def Leppard. We want to hear Depeche it. Depeche Mode or Def Leppard. Do not forget. <laughs> we will talk yes. about the results next week. So we're going to be here next week, right? We absolutely are. All right. We'll be here next week. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. Have a great weekend. Have a great week. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week. Bye.